Matthew 25. Now, I just got a question here while you're all finding Matthew 25. How many of you have seen this show called Undercover Boss? I'm just curious. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, quite a few of you. All right. So for those of you who have not seen, it's a pretty interesting situation here, this show. What they do is they get like either a high-ranking executive, like a CEO, or perhaps even the owner of a company, and he goes into disguise he gets an alias, he gets a different name, they make up this little story, and he's got a little camera crew that goes with him, and he then takes the position of an entry-level employee in this giant company, whatever company that might be. And so, you know, you'd think that would be kind of like a, a ticket that something's up when you've got a, a camera crew following an entry-level employee, but they got this uh, story, they say that, well, we're doing a documentary of what it looks like to enter into this particular field, or they say... Uh, this individual is in competition with this other lady for this job, and whoever does the best, they're going to get the job. So they got this camera crew that follows this person around, and it, there's all sorts of interesting scenarios that take place. Um, all of a sudden, a guy who may be real competent at a high level uh, can't load a truck, okay, or doesn't know exactly how tools work. you got this gal, and she's very sophisticated and knows all these things about numbers, but there's some basic tasks that she simply can't do. And then, you, of course, she meets or he meets these other employees. You kind of get to know a little bit about their personal life as you're interacting with them. They kind of move them around each day to different places in the company. And, and at the end of the week, well, then all of a sudden she comes out of disguise, right? Or she's back at the executive office there. And they invite different employees that they interfaced with during that week to come and visit them at executive headquarters there. And you can imagine that for some of these people, they, they at least act shocked. At least I don't know if they are, but they act, oh, really? Oh, my. You know, and so they, they actually get all dressed up and they show up here and they, they meet this executive. No longer is this person under disguise. Well, now they're sitting behind their power desk or they've got their big conference room or whatever. And for those employees that really did a great job, showed fortitude, aptitude, perseverance, we're doing a great job. Well, those people get rewarded. Sometimes they get promoted, um, financially rewarded. And then, of course, to keep with the show, and you've got to be PC, for those employees that are not, you know, doing the job like you would like them to, instead of just firing them like they should, you know, then they try to give them more training, okay? And some of these people, they just totally walk away after that, after they've been exposed for being rather fraudulent. That's undercover boss. Now, I mean, can you imagine if that happened to you? Like, all of a sudden, the head of the company that you worked for, they took on a disguise, and they started, and they actually watched your every move. Saw your people skills in action, saw how you interfaced with others, how you worked as a team player or didn't work, your aptitude on the job. Could you imagine what that would be like then at the end of the week to find out, whoa, the new guy that I treated kind of poorly or whatever, they're actually my boss. Or I was... I kind of slacked off. You think the cameras alone would make you want to do everything you could to do it right. But, but some of these people really slack off. Could you imagine what that would be like, though, if that was you and you're reporting to the head executive's office? Well, let me take all the pressure and put it on you. Guess what? It's going to happen. You see, God is going to evaluate every one of us. And, that, and it's not just like on the job. It's like what we did with our lives, our personal lives, our family, our careers, the gifts that he's given us, the financial means by which God has actually entrusted to us. We're going to be evaluated with that. The opportunities that we had, God is going to evaluate each one of his people. And he wants us to be involved in his work. He wants us to have a kingdom mindset 
and to realize that, that being in a relationship with God has implications for everyday living. And so last week we saw the parable of the, the bridesmaids as they're waiting. And the, the whole message of that is we have to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus then continues by beginning this parable in verse 14. You might recognize that as the parable of the talents. And he's what he's doing is saying, not only got to be ready, but I want my people at work and engaged in my ministry. I want you moving forward and making the most of the opportunity. You see, how we handle what God has given us really tells us what's in our hearts. And so Jesus tells this parable and begins in verse 14. And first of all, he makes it clear that this this call, this call is clear. We're to be about the master's business. So look at let's just read it here in verse 14. It says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And just to kind of give you a little bit of history, uh, these things happened. Uh, slaves that worked for a master, if your master was very wealthy, these, these servants were entrusted with great deals of sums, they, of sums of money. They were, they were supposed to go and invest these. They had different places that they could make money, like with money changers. They could actually have a high exchange rate. Uh, they could make investments. They could buy things, sell things. And that is how a wealthy landowner with servants actually made more of it money, is that you had people, competent servants, that were part of your enterprise, and they could make you a lot of money. And so this scene, as Jesus paints this story, this parable, this would be, not be uncommon. They would understand that these sort of things happen. So this master is about to go on a journey. He's going away, and what does he do? He calls his own slaves, and he entrusted his possessions to them. And so, verse 15, to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Okay, now, when, you, when we hear the word talent, what do you, we think of? Well, someone's got a gift, like they got a talent for art, right? And they're very creative, and they can make anything beautiful. And, they, you know, we, we think of it as a skill. But actually, a talent is a weight, okay? And it's not, it's not a coin, but a talent was a weight. In fact, it was a weight of about 75 pounds. And that, that when they referred to this talent, it was the equivalent of 6,000 denarii. A denarii was one day's wage. So I want you to be thinking, how much do you make in one day? Okay? All right? $7.50 if you've got a lawn mowing job and you're in junior high or something. Okay. Do you think of your one day's wage times 6,000? That is how much a talent was worth. So scholars estimate that it would take you about 20 years to earn, if you're a day laborer, the equivalent of a talent. We know that this talent uh, is actually a talent of silver. So there are talents of silver. So we know that it's at least about each talent is worth about $250,000. Okay. So this guy unloads about $2 million at least on three of his employees. And three of his servants. So you see that in verse 15. One guy gives five, another two, another one. And he goes on his journey. He leaves them. He entrusts them. And with that entrusting is that they are to go and be about the master's business. They're working. He's traveling. We don't know if he's taking a cruise or visiting relatives or maybe he's going to go and start some other business ventures. But he takes off and they understand what they're to do. And you can see it. Look at that. Verse 16. Immediately. 
the one who had received the five talents, he went and traded them and he gained five more talents. Whoa. And that's exactly what you're supposed to do. You see, the master figured, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's good. He's faithful. He's loyal. He's smart. He operates by faith. He loves me. I can trust him. And he, sure enough, he had five. That's a lot of move, lots of money. And he turns around, invests it, works it, either with money changers, buys things, sells things. And immediately he doubles the money. Not bad. If you're a company owner, you'd like a guy like that, right? Or a gal like that. Well, that's what happens. And look at verse 17. And in the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. Wow, another industrious, smart, go-getter employee. But verse 18, look at this. But the, he who received the one talent, okay, not a small sum of money, at least $250,000. Okay, so he's got the 75-pound talent. What did he do? Well, he went away and he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. What in the world is he thinking? Well, we're not exactly sure why he operates this way, at least initially. But let's stay tuned. But let me just tell you, though, the call is clear. Whatever God has entrusted to you, whatever the master has entrusted to you, he intends for you to be about his business, to invest it, to make the most of it. And two of the three in this parable actually do that. Well, let me tell you something else. Not only is the call clear, but the rewards are great. The master's on a journey, right? But he's going to come back. And lo and behold, look at this. Verse 19 Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and he settled accounts with them. He's he's going on a journey. He's going to come back. And now the books are going to be opened. How much did I give each of you? And what did you do with what I gave you? Well, verse 20, if you're the five talent guy and you went and invested it, man, you made the most of your opportunity and you doubled the money. This is actually going to be a pretty good scenario. Look at verse 20. The one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, it's very clear that this man understands. I submit to you, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. Whoa. Okay, so these are 75 pound like weights. Have silver. Can you imagine like, hey, can you, you, got some, you got some guys working for you, obviously. Haul these things in here. And, you know, they're bringing all this weight and they're loaded and they put it in front of the master's feet. Whoa. What do you, I mean, if you're an employee that just doubled what you gave him, how are you going to respond? Well, look at this guy. Whoa. Verse 21. His master said to him, well done. Good and faithful slave. Well done. You did exactly what I called you to do. You are good, intrinsically good. Your heart matches my heart. You love me. You are loyal. You are faithful. You are trustworthy. You are good and you are faithful. You were faithful with a few things. In the master's mind, five talents is not a whole lot. Obviously, this man was very wealthy. He says, you were faithful in a few things. He says, you know what? I see who you are. You passed the test. You did what I asked you to do. I will put you in charge of many things. This was just a starter. This was just a test. 
I wanted to find out what was really inside you. So I gave you five talents. You were overwhelmed by that kind of amount of money. But you made the most of what I gave you. Listen, this is just starting things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. I want you to enter into the joy of your master. I want you to experience the fullness of joy. I want you to dine at my table. I want you to know my complete love. The fact that we've got to trust through this. There is a, a relationship. There's a there's this connection between you and me that is so great. I want you to experience the joy of me and you knowing each other deeply and moving forward in this enterprise. Enter into the joy of your master. Well, then you remember there's another guy, though. He had two. And so. Verse 22, also the one who had received the two talents, he came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. You gave me two. I doubled it. And what does the master say? Verse 23, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. You see, it wasn't actually how much the master had given them. It was what they did with what they had received. Do you see that? And he said, I want you to enter into the fullness of joy. Just like the five-talent guy who doubled his money, I want you to enter into the joy of your master. Now, how in the world do you do that? How do you become a guy like this? Well, first of all, you have to remember that the, the master is going to return. Randy Olcorn tells about this particular caretaker who took care of a, an estate for a very wealthy man. And for 25 years, that estate owner only visited his place, his little palace and all the grounds, twice in 25 years. And yet he had a caretaker that took care of that. And the guy, the caretaker was meticulous. He always kept it up perfectly every single time. And one guy finally asked him, he said, hey. What are you doing? I'm doing what I was asked to do. My job is to take care of this place. And it looked perfect. All right. It was like something you saw in Masterpiece Theater or something like that. And he's like, well, when do you expect your uh, your boss to ever show up? And he said, why today, of course. You see, that's the mindset. When is the master going to return? When is the Lord going to return? We don't know, but he says, I want you to be ready and I want you to be at work. Slothfulness, complacency will not work. I want you to be like the five talent guy or the two talent guy. Whatever you've got, I want you to be investing it. Well, remember there was three though, remember? Well, look at this other guy. Well, the, the one talent guy, can you imagine him watching this scenario? Like, oh, oh. Oh, it's so painful to see this because these guys doubled their money. And remember what this guy did. He found a shovel. Hmm. What's going to happen here? Verse 24. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, you know, (laughs) you just see him choking here. Master, master, I, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. Hey, look at this, though. See what what you have. OK, it's it's yours. You, you gave it to me. You one talent. I, I, I want you to know I didn't lose it. I kept it. It's right here. He's probably wiping the dirt off it right here. Look, it's, still, it's all shiny. Nice. You want it? It's, it's right here for you. You see, 
This one talent guy, now this is really interesting. If you want a picture of what, what does whining look like in the New Testament, okay? This is what it looks like. And this guy has got it down. You see, this, is, this guy starts exposing his heart. Your, your words and the tests that you go through actually reveal what goes inside here. And what he does is he subtly blames the master. Watch this guy, man. He just kind of puts all his cards on the table. You know, this idea of blaming others, blaming the master. This is what irresponsible people do. Notice what he said here. I don't know if he's thinking he's going to score a lot of points by saying this, but he says in verse 24, I knew you to be a hard man. How many of you would like to be known as a hard individual, right? All right. And the word here is sclerosis. You hear of arteriosclerosis? Okay, hopefully you don't have it. But if you do, or you know someone, you got a hardening of an arteries, of arteries, you know, all that plaque and that fat, that all starts getting calcified. Okay, it gets hard. Arteriosclerosis. What he's saying here, I knew you to be a hard-hearted individual. You were rough. You're the kind of guy that expects a yield out of a field that you didn't even plant. You're that kind of guy. He's actually telling the master this. Now, does that actually sound like the master? Seems pretty gracious, huh? He goes, you're a hard-hearted guy. You expect to reap where you didn't even sow and, and where you actually get scattered no seed. That's kind of how you are. And so that's why well, I did what I did. I actually went and, you know, I, I could have just made some money, but I was afraid. So you know what? I, I hid your talent in the ground. And you know what you gave me? There it is. A little dirty, but here it is. Everything you gave me, I'm returning to you. You see, what happened here, and this is huge, folks. You see, how you see the master affects how you live if your, your life. If you have the wrong view about the master, the wrong view about God, your life is going to reflect that. You see, let me ask you, was the master hard-hearted? What do you think? Obviously not. Gave five. He put this guy in charge of more. He's actually extremely gracious. He wasn't like that. He wants you to be responsible with what he entrusted you, but he's not he's not hard hearted. And yet that's how this guy operates. He failed to understand the compassion and the character of the master. And so you know what? He actually viewed his master in light of his own selfishness, his own selfish nature. That's how he saw the master. Now, why did this servant bury it in the ground? Well, let me give you some possible abilities on this. One idea is this. Maybe he wanted revenge. You know, one, this guy got five. Another got two. I got, I got a measly $250,000. You know what? Huh, I'll show you. I'll just stick it in the ground. You won't get anything for your money. Maybe it was a kind of a revenge deal. Or maybe... Maybe he actually simply didn't care. There's people like that. They could care less. You've seen them. You work with some of people like that. They could care less about what's been entrusted to them. Sloppy, break things, reckless, care, care. It doesn't matter to me. Maybe he had that kind of mindset. Well, let me give you a third possibility. Maybe he really didn't think the master would come back. You see, if he entrusted the money with a money changer, he'd have to do it in the master's name. But of course... If you're buried in the ground, and let's say the master just doesn't make it home. Maybe he's ambushed and killed. Maybe he dies. He had one too many Big Macs on his trip, and he dies and keels over. And you hear about it like, oh, what a shame. 
where's my shovel? Okay, and then you go out there and you dig it up. I'm like, oh, look at this, where's my money? And who would have known? I will tell you this, though. This man completely missed what the master intended. And so the master answered after he heard this story and been called hard-hearted. He said, verse 26, but his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. If you ever hear the master saying that, you know you're in trouble, okay? I just want to give you a clue, all right? Things are not going to go well from this point onward here. You wicked, lazy slave. The master is actually calling him for who he really is. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. What he's actually doing there, he's saying, you know, I'm going to use your own charge that you put on me. I'm going to use that against you. When he says new, he says that literally could be translated. You understand me to be some sort of hard hearted individual, right? If you really thought that. Then what would you do? You would have been really busy at making the most of that money. I mean, have you ever had a kind of a tyrant for a boss? I, oh, that's a pretty difficult. Have you ever had one? No. You know, OK, just imagine you had. OK, if you knew that that guy said or that gal had said, listen, I want you to do this. And it better be done when I get back. Right. You would do what? You'd make sure it was done, right? You just don't want to experience that kind of wrath and difficulty when that individual returns, your boss returns. Obviously, he didn't believe that because it was not true. The master was gracious. He says, but you, you understand me? Those are your words? Those are your charge against me? If you really thought that, you would have been very busy at work. No, that is not the case at all. You see, he said this. If that's what you thought, you should have put my, he said, verse 27, then you ought to put my money in the bank and on my arrival, my money in the bank in my name, I would have received my money back with interest. But obviously, you weren't willing to do that. So verse 28, this is what I'm going to do. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. What's going on here? Well, you know this. If you are a manager or a business owner, if you have someone that's really faithful, what do you do? You keep giving them more, right? And if you've got someone that is not faithful, can't be trusted, can't do the work, what do you do? I'm sorry. Whatever I gave you, there you go. I'm going to give it to the guy who is faithful. He's obviously proven it. And you, you're gone. And notice what he says here. Verse 20, verse 28, he says, therefore, take away the talent from him. Give it to the one who has 10 talents. And then Jesus concludes this parable for to everyone who has more shall be given. And he who will and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have even what he does have shall be taken away. And then he says, throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You need to know that the consequences are severe for completely disregarding the master. You see, Dr. A.W. Tozer said this. Nothing twists and deforms the soul more than a low or unworthy conception of God. If you have the wrong view and perception of God it is going to affect your life. 
That is why we need to understand who God is as he's revealed himself in the word. He is gracious. He is good. He is the Lord Almighty. And if he has redeemed you and not only created you, but redeemed you, then he has the ability to ask you to be involved in his work and to require it of us. Every single one of us. And so this guy here, he totally blew it off. And you know what? He paid the ultimate price. You see, the fact that this third servant didn't involve himself in the master's work actually revealed that he really didn't have a heart for the master in the first place. Now, let me just let's just talk about this. And how does this really apply to our life? Okay, it's pretty quiet in here because you know why? Because some of us never thought that God was that serious about what he's entrusted to us. In fact, there may be people here that have the complete wrong idea that it's all about You actually think that everything you have, your abilities, your gifts, your resources, your assets, your homes, your 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 uh, 401k accounts. You actually think those are yours. And this parable is telling you, no, you are merely a steward. You're just a manager of what has been entrusted to you. Your money, your time, your resources and even your relationships. They're like on loan to you from God. And he wants you to make the most of the opportunity you have. Let me just tell you, just even just about money. It's interesting. There's, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about most subjects. Your wealth is a tool, it's a testimony, and it's a test. I want you to take stock in, in actually what you have financially. You don't have to go verbal on this. What do you got about? I got about $27 in my uh, checking account right now or $27 million. I want you to think about what you've been trusted with. Your wealth is a tool. You know why God gives you money? To provide for your short-term and long-term needs. To provide for you and for your family. God actually supplies what you need. He's entrusted this to you and to not only take care of yourself, but to take care of those who are part of your family. He's also entrusted money to you as a means of further financing his kingdom. That you're like a conduit that God gives to you. And in response to his graciousness in your life, you actually give back to him. Wealth is a tool. It's also a testimony. You see, how you use your money reflects what you really believe about God. If you think money's your God, then it's all about money. And you're just consumed by it and always thinking about it. But when God is your God, you realize that wealth is an opportunity. The resources I've been, been given to give testimony that God is God of my life and I will use my finances for the furthering of his glory. But wealth is also a test. It is a test to find out what you're going to do with the resources that God has given you. Now, let me just tell you this. If you place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and you truly know him as your Lord and you're reading this parable and going, oh, man, I have totally buried Everything in my own little ditch. You can't lose your salvation because God gives eternal life to those who are trusting him as savior from their sin and as the Lord of their life. But you can lose all the many blessings and rewards that come with a faithful life. See, there's going to be uh, some reckoning that is going to take place. And the question I just want to ask you is, What are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you have been given? You see, our use of his resources matters to God. 
And I want to say something a little bit about your careers, whatever that might be. Maybe you're working at school, you're a pharmacist, a doctor, a CEO, you're a mechanic, you're working at home, you're a homemaker. Your career is sacred. It is what God has called you to do. Don't think like, well, if I really wanted to do something for the kingdom, I have to be a pastor or a missionary. No, I'm called to be a pastor. I once was in the business world and I sense God calling me to pastor, be a pastor, got some training. And I believe I'm doing what God has called me to do. But God has also called you just as importantly to where he has you. And what you do and how you do it is just as important as what I do and how I do it. It's kind of like this. Martin Luther was approached by a man. He said, I I want to serve God more. What is it that I should do? Martin Luther said, well, what are you doing right now? He says, I'm a shoemaker. He said, well, good. Then I want you to make shoes that are sold at a fair price and that are built very well. He didn't tell him, I want you to make Christian shoes or, oh, man, you're a shoemaker. What a sorry, secular job. It's of no eternal significance. No evangelist. He can't build anybody up. Oh, man, you need to be a monk. All right. Let's go shave your head or something like that. No, he didn't tell him to do that. He had the right perspective. What God has called you to do, you do it for his glory and in his might. But it's what he's entrusted to you. Same with your family and your relationships. These are people that God wants you to invest in. Your opportunities at the church to be a part of the body of Christ, how you use your finances for the further of his kingdom. If you're retired, how are you using your money? This all reflects what you believe about the master. But there is a day of reckoning that's going to take place. There are two judgments that are talked about in the Bible. One is called the great white white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20. All those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they are going to be judged according to their works. What did you do? You didn't, want to, you didn't want to believe in Christ. Okay, you want to be judged on what you do? Think you're a good person? Let's find out. And we're going to find out your works are wanting and you perish. The other judgment is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, specifically in verse 10. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment. And it's Bema because that, that is actually where the high platform they sat on. And they would judge athletes and they would reward victors. Okay? And that is the Bema Seat Judgment. All believers are going to face what is called this Bema Seat Judgment from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. They're not, it's not like you're going to lose your salvation because that's impossible. But it's a judgment of reward. Okay? It is to reward you for being faithful for what God has entrusted you, whether it was one talent or five. And so that's going to take place. But just remember, you're a steward. And God has entrusted you with what he wants you to have to make the most in the opportunities he's given you. The Lord owns it all. You know, and when we when we come to that point where we realize, you know what? He's, he owns it all. Like you, you, in your mind, you just sign over the title deed of everything in your life, including your life to him. It just takes all the pressure off. It's like, it's God's. I'm his. I'm a servant. I want to make the most of what he's entrusted to me, but it is all his. When it's that mindset, let me tell you, that is the life that is freeing. And that is a life of significance, because instead of focusing on you and just what you can do, you're not focused on God and how God might use you to influence others. And you become a conduit for his blessing because you realize you're under the authority of the master. You see, the world asks, what does a man own? And God. He asks, 
How does he use it for the glory of Christ? So how are you handling the gifts that God has given you? How we handle God's gifts reveals what we believe in our heart. What are you doing with what you've been given? Well, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I don't have anything else to say. I think it's clear. Before I go away, though, there's a couple things I'd like to say. Um, uh, there's actually some three individuals I'd like to address. In fact, I'd like you to join me up here. Um, let's see here. Jan Horton, uh, Jared Bissell. There you are. Come on up here. Uh, Kelly McGregor. Come on up here. All right. I, I just I want you to watch these folks coming up here. These are some faithful servants in our church. You know that? You guys involved in a lot of ministry stuff behind the scenes. Uh, you've seen them up here before. There's there's things that these people do behind the scenes that you never know or never hear about. It's not like they trumpet everything that they do. They're faithful servants. And uh, I just wanted to tell you, I appreciate you. I'm going to I'm going to trust something to you here. All right. Jan, now this isn't saying anything about your abilities or anything like that, but I don't have a ton of money, but I'm going to give you ten dollars. OK. And uh, I don't spend that all at once. OK. Do you like to shop? Just a little bit. OK. Well, I don't want you shopping with this unless what I'm doing is I'm I'm uh, I'm going to give you this. I'll I'll check in with you in a while. I'm not I'm not sure when I want you to take these funds and you can actually work in in conjunction with your husband, Kirby. I want you to make the most of that money. You see, I'm uh, I'm thinking of uh, there's a pastor in India among the Bajara Indians. You know how we're working with them. Uh, he needs a livelihood like a water buffalo. They're kind of expensive. See what you can do with what I've given you. All right. Kelly, there you are. Hey, now you, you can stay right here. I want you running away here, okay? Uh, Kelly, um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you $20, okay? Same thing. I want you to make the most of this. Uh, I'll be back. I'll check in with you a while. We'll, we'll have a little public check-in. Not sure. I'm not even going to tell you exactly when. And uh, I'd like to see what you can do with what I've given you, okay? I'm, I'm basically giving away the allowance Karina gives me, okay? <laughs> I mean, I may as well... Uh, you guys are laughing. You just don't know. Okay. Just check it my way. All right. I'll tell you what. Since I'm just getting, I'm feeling, Jared, I'm, I'm going to give you everything else I have here. I don't have anything else. I'm giving you the rest of my money. In fact, I'm giving you 50 bucks. Okay. And uh, same thing. I'm entrusting this to you. I, I know that you've done some real good work with CareNet. I know that you're a faithful steward. Uh, God's used these significant ways. I want you to see what you can do. I don't care what you do. You can buy something. You folks can buy and sell things. You can bake things, make things. You can do something to email. You can get people to hear what you're doing and contribute. But uh, I'm interesting to see you. I'm kind of thinking about one of those Banjara Indian pastors that I had the privilege of training. I'd like them to be able to have a livelihood. I'm entrusting this to you. Let's see what you can do with what I've given you. How about we pray? Okay. Lord, I just come before you with... My dear friends, on the stage and in this auditorium. And Lord, you, we know that you've been called us to be faithful stewards. You've entrusted much to us. Lord, help us to make the most of what you've given us for your glory. Help us not to be those who bury things in the sand. Let us live in light of your return. 
and realize that one day we'll give an account, and this should be a joyous occasion for a believer. Because not only have you spelled it out in your word, we're to be about the master's work, but there is great reward for being faithful. So, Lord, may that be the case for each of us. We celebrate and we worship and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.